Thank you so much for listening. I am beyond stoked to bring you this week's episode. I know I say that literally every single time, but I feel like you guys are going to absolutely love this one. I am obsessed. The content that we covered is so vulnerable and courageous and important, and I don't think it's discussed enough. Heck, I don't even really think of this stuff myself until my guest coming up brought it up to me and I was like, wow, that is absolutely amazing. So my guest this week, her name is Leah Winston. She is an advocate, an activist, a social work student, and just a very wise and inspiring wholesome person. Leah and I went to undergrad together. We were in an internship and she quickly became one of the people that I felt comfortable talking with. Leah is such a strong leader and she is bringing so much bravery to this episode. We discuss sexual coercion, domestic violence, um, suicide loss. We talk about death and death anxiety. We talk about ego therapy and just so many touchy subjects, but I think she brings so much light and so much um, love to these subjects that it makes it approachable and it makes it just very intriguing and interesting. It's very um, awesome that I could have talked with Leah on these subjects because she is a suicide loss survivor. She lost a loved one to suicide and me being on the opposite end of the spectrum as someone that struggled with um, suicidal ideation and I am a suicide survivor. um, It was, it was very interesting to say the least. I don't know the right word to say to talk about this with her because we shared each other's point of view and took into account each other's perspectives. So although I do want to release a trigger warning before this episode because we do touch on assault and abuse and suicide. I think this is a crucial, crucial interview. And I thank Leah so much for coming on. She has a beautiful social media platform, which I will link in the show notes. And moving forward after this week, I'm going to try to get some more guests on. So if anyone's interested, please feel free to reach out to me. I am, I'm loving these interviews. Like this is so much fun for me. This is so therapeutic and cathartic. And I know you guys will gain so much from this show. I am super excited to bring you the next month or so um, solo episodes. I'm going to be moving into a bit more spirituality things. We're going to be talking about communicating with the other side, intuition, um, just so many spiritual folks subjects and I know you guys will like it. I'll get to the sex eventually but I'm just really trying to tune into my inner guides and let my inner wisdom guide me on what I need and what I think the audience needs. So that's enough for an intro. Let's get right into it. All right so my name is Leah Winston. I go to school for social work. I got my bachelor's in psychology and I'm minored in mindfulness. Um, what I'm interested in, I mean, I have like a wide variety of like interests. Like I'm really interested in like my ancestors. Um, I love antiques. I am interested in ecotherapy. Uh, I love like mythologies and fairy tales. 
That's super cool. cool. How was the mindfulness concentration at St. Joe's? I really wanted to do that, but by the time I was graduating, that's when they started it. It's so funny because when I heard about it, I was like, this is so unique, but um, I didn't plan on taking it. And I think like it wasn't until like either the last semester that I was planning that I already had some courses and I was like, I'll just do it. But um, it's a lot of psych courses and also like um, they incorporate psych and religion actually. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. It's cool. Sure. So Leah and I actually, this is our first time ever hanging out. <laughs> we went to St. Joe's together. We went, Jen and was like, we were in jail together. <laughs> Leah was also in jail with Jen and I. That's how we met and we kind of were just like, in the same area so we were kind of forced to talk and be partners and that's yeah. been history ever since it was a good experience yeah it, it definitely was, a lot of was fun. very cool it was different too yeah what is ego therapy um so it's ecotherapy. Ego-therapy. ecotherapy yeah ecotherapy um well it's kind of just like the awareness of like your environment like and it incorporates mindfulness in a way that like you wouldn't think but like, I guess, like, it's basically, like, a lot of people today, they don't really put much consideration to their environment mm-hmm. or their surroundings, and it brings sure. a lot of stress and anxiety. So, when I first started the course, like, I didn't really know what I was in for, but um, my teacher, my professor, encouraged me to, like, go outside every day, even if it was, like, for five minutes, if it was raining, snowing, didn't matter, if it was freezing out. And just, like, pay attention to my five senses. And slowly but, like, surely I kind of started to notice that um, while I was doing that, I was actually practicing mindfulness, which Mm -hmm. is something I really struggled with, like, having anxiety with my racing mind. And um, then I started reading mythologies and fairy tales, and I started, and I realized that there was such thing as an eco-spirituality. Which I had no clue was even a thing. So it's kind of like a religion for some people that they think like there's like uh, tree spirits or whatever. And it was just like so interesting reading like um, I read Irish mythology and I'm Irish. So it kind of connected me to my heritage and then like I just gained a new awareness about spirituality and the environment. So it's kind of like that's what ecotherapy is. It's just mindfulness. Yeah, it's really cool and it really worked for me. Especially yeah. during the pandemic, because sure. um, all I could do is go outside, so yeah. it's just developed over time, and I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that, it's so true, because I feel like when it's sunny out, like today, it's a beautiful fall day, and I go yeah. outside, and I just am, like, one with the earth. I yeah. feel so much more grounded mentally than on rainy days when I'm cooped yeah. up inside on my phone. Yeah, I mean, there's something in the air, yeah. but I also heard, I don't know where I heard this from, but, like, if you see green, it's supposed to, like, make you, like, happier, but, like, yeah. there's also studies on like gardening and like Mm -hmm. just touching the soil so I think or even like vitamin d from the sun like Mm -hmm. just being outside is just good for you and like we don't do it enough anymore nature is so healing I know so it's like ecotherapy you know very I love it it's cool so you're you're in social work school right now do you want to have a specialty or a focus um so Mm -hmm. I think year two I choose a specialty and that'll be integrated health very cool yeah Wow. So I think that's just, I mean, it's basically like uh, mental status exams and stuff like that. Yeah. The other options were either for macro work, so I think more like policy, or Mm -hmm. I want to say maybe addictions. I'm not sure. Very cool. Yeah. So I know that you brought up a couple things you wanted to talk about. I will give you the sheet in (laughs) case you need to. But 
I loved the idea of talking about sexual coercion yeah. because I feel like not a lot of people know about it, mm-hmm. especially, I'm going to make an overgeneralization here, but guys, when they think of rape, they think of like a stranger coming out of the bushes and holding a, like a random person down mm-hmm. and forcing themselves. But I think not enough guys know that if you ask a girl to sleep with you more than once, that's sexual coercion and by fault, it's not consensual. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. what is your thoughts on sexual coercion? I mean, there's definitely, like, a blurred line that I feel like yeah. there's not enough, like, education about it. And, like, even me, myself, I feel like I'm still kind of, like, confused on ins and outs of it. Yeah. And when it happens to you, it could get really like, confusing, too. But I feel like, I mean, probably almost everyone has had this experience and it's sad that when we were back in like high school when everyone really started to experiment and stuff like that that you know no one told us about this and still today we still don't know about it and I think it's just sad really it's very sad I think that now schools are starting to teach about consent at least I know St. Joseph's had a day where someone from Vibes uh, Rape Crisis Center would come in and talk about consent and consent is like having a cup of coffee something like that but oh, i think yeah. at 18 we're not taking that seriously because i remember being in the crowd and a lot of kids were laughing people were on their phones not really taking it seriously but like you said especially from what i hear with women like almost all of us have a story of where we were coerced or forced into something yeah i mean when when i'm thinking about when i was in high school i don't, I don't think we ever had one course on sexual coercion or domestic violence it wasn't until I was sitting in uh Suffolk a classroom it was my first year um and someone came in and they told me what domestic violence was and I was like scratching my head I was like oh wait it's not just someone you know putting their hands on you it could be like emotional it could be financial sexual I didn't know any of this and it was it was it's actually heartbreaking that you could be that old and not know and I was sitting in and I was like wait that all happened to me like that's crazy Uh, and it's just awful but yeah it's really upsetting that you don't know about it until you're kind of forced to live it yourself even when you're in it it's like you don't even know what's happening happening it's like oh he just has an anger problem Mm -hmm. or oh it's just you know maybe i did something and it's never like no he's abusing me and mm-hmm. we need to leave yes and, we like, need to leave <laughs> like yeah red flag get out like it's never like that because you don't know no like we grow up on those fairy tales i was talking about in the beginning and it's like you don't know that this stuff happens i mean even if you do know what happens it's like it's just so like rose-colored glasses on that it's mm-hmm. happening to you like yeah you think it could happen to other people, but it's never us, because I know growing up, when I heard domestic violence, I was thinking of a man beating up a woman, and it yeah. like come from broken homes, quote-unquote, and then I found myself in it, and I was just like very confused, because when you're in it, nothing is clear. Your yeah. whole mind is just very... It's like altered. Yes. Like a rewiring, kind of. But, yeah, like, I agree, like, growing up, I'm, like, my dad was abusive to my stepmom, so I watched that, like, yeah. I would go to my dad's house every other week, and I was a kid, and I watched that, and I was, like, I thought it was, like, just black and white, I know what domestic violence is, I've seen it, and, you know, then I end up in a relationship in high school, 
how does that happen? And I don't even know. And I didn't even know until I got into college. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I think especially growing up, if you've been exposed to that, you're more likely to repeat those patterns in your own life. Yeah, and I think maybe I was intentionally not trying to do that, though. So it's just yeah, mind-boggling, kind of. It's very mind-boggling. What do you think of, I know you said you were into fairy tales, I've heard mixed things about Beauty and the Beast. Have um, you heard that? I, I mean, I've heard a little bit, but not really. I mean, I don't know. I, what have you heard? I've heard that Beauty and the Beast, this is obviously like very extremist points of view and you have to take everything into perspective, but that Belle was in like a trauma bond with the Beast and she was trying to change him and he was mean to her and then she's trying to fix him kind of thing. Yeah, didn't he kidnap her? He did kidnap her. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, Now that I think about it, yes, I never actually liked Beauty and the Beast, so... (laughs) But um, now that I think about it, absolutely, that's strange that yeah. we were watching that. Do you think fairy tales are more harmful or helpful to girls growing up and having expectations out of relationships? I'd like to hear your opinion on I that. I think that kids look more toward their parents than they mm-hmm. would look toward a fairy tale. But I guess for people who don't have you know, that parent relationship to look to maybe they do look to fairy tales and they get kind of like a misunderstanding of what's being said um definitely fairy tales aren't like you know like rainbows and cupcakes Uh, (laughs) i realized that like an older age like but some of them they do teach us important lessons i don't know if they're harmful or helpful they can be helpful yeah um but they can be harmful and i think it depends when you're ready to really get the message because some can look at beauty and the beast and be like oh this is a message to women that you know when you see the red flags like go but then some can look at it and be like oh she changed his mind like yeah so it i think it depends with age and where you're really at in life for sure and i think a lot of it like you said depends on upbringing and yeah how you were raised mm-hmm. i know for me i wouldn't say that fairy tales are harmful and I would never be like don't let your kids watch fairy tales but from my personal experience do you remember those like early 2000 rom-coms like with Hilary Duff and everything like that yeah I remember growing up they were great they were great movies but I had this sort of like false expectation out of love and I thought that I was gonna find my prince charming at 18 and then we'd live happily ever after and things would be easy and I really found that in my 20s that dating is nothing like that it's <laughs> i unfortunately don't have much experience with dating but You've i've heard horror stories right yeah oh, how so, long have you guys been together three years now That's awesome so he's he's a really good guy which is amazing it's complete opposite from the last one but um i've heard stories from my friends on dating and i'm just like wow man <laughs> like this is it's like a war out there i know i'm like scared but yeah. i'm scared for them like it's unbelievable really i mean i guess the only advice i would give to that is before you date just kind of you got to know what you want like yeah i mean when i got into my relationship that i'm in now i didn't know what i wanted yeah yeah That's so it was yeah it was but you kind of learned i guess as you went um, on actually what i think was where i should have known is that i was scared I was scared for not apparent, like, I wasn't scared because he was showing red flags. I was scared because he was, like, really nice to me. 
And I was Ooh. like, that is a problem not with you, but it's a problem with me. Yes. And, you know, I think I told him a bunch of times, like, just be patient with me. And he was. So That's awesome. I, feel, I feel like if anything, you got to, like, really know yourself because sometimes it's hard to know what you want and what you deserve, especially with bad experiences. That is, I love that you said that because yeah. it's like you're waiting for the shoe to drop you're like this is too good to be true he's being so sweet to me like where does it all go wrong especially if you've been in an abusive relationship or you witnessed domestic violence Mm -hmm. you think it's only a matter of time before they show their true colors and then you get so uncomfortable because someone is actually treating you good yeah like it's like i remember like i think we hung out one day and the next day he texted me and i was like what this is so weird he texted me like he wants to know if i want a bagel like oh my god <laughs> but i was like horrified i was like what like catch <laughs> but um yeah i think when you're scared maybe that's a good thing yeah especially when you've had not great experience maybe it's like a sign that you need to change what you're accepting yeah and what you're expecting yeah too that too yeah, because when you get so used to being treated a certain way, anything other than that becomes uncomfortable. Yeah, you get too comfortable with being treated badly. Like, yes, preach. Yeah. Wow. It's just a rewiring of the brain, I guess. For sure. That's so interesting. So I know you said you struggled with anxiety. Yeah. How have you kind of, like, helped yourself through that? What's been your journey with anxiety? Wow. Like, I feel like I had anxiety since I was like eight probably Mm -hmm. but I didn't really know like no no until like I was in high school I think I was like 16 or in 10th grade and it started to get really bad um it kind of was like that um I was afraid of getting sick and dying ultimately um so everything from like there um was just about like death like it was just like if i go on this airplane i'm gonna die or if my mom drives to work she's gonna die or this bruise on my leg means that i'm gonna die like it was just irrational thinking and i mean it's still it's just like something you gotta do every day like therapy medication medication's not for everybody um you know ecotherapy exercise it's just different things that work for you and I can't say that I found like the perfect like recipe for not having anxiety like I probably will have it forever and I'll just have to deal with it but um I mean I tried a bunch of different things just kind of to bring myself into awareness of if it's rational or not and yeah I don't know that's awesome I think like you said it's finding those coping skills that work for you and just really prioritizing your self-care yeah because it's going to be different for every single person what works for you might not work for the next person but it's really just gaining that awareness of how and to navigate the anxiety yeah it's something you have to work on like every day and I think I described this recently like like I feel like it's anxiety is so common these days that people don't take it seriously Mm -hmm. and they think it's like a joke so I described it as like it's like you're a haunted house and like every thought is more scarier than the next and it's just like you're spinning you're going down the rabbit hole and you know nothing's gonna pull you out of that like and that's what like an anxiety attack is like and yes. people don't realize how scary it is like it is. every time I have one I think I'm like dying like yeah. it's awful and they just it's because it's so common it's just like not a big deal yeah I feel like everyone has anxiety nowadays so people yeah. kind of just brush it off and 
Like, yeah. you have anxiety. Yeah. I mean, they say it peaks within, like, five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And then it goes down. But those five minutes, man. Yeah. It's like you're in an alternate reality. The haunted house. Like... That's a really good way of, of your own making, it. really. You kind so. of just have tunnel vision, and you can't really see a way out of what you're experiencing. Yeah. Especially if you're having a full-on panic attack, then that's... It's awful. And yeah. it's And it's just... It's so irrational things, but sometimes they are rational. It's just... It is awful, but... Yeah. I remember when I was going to a domestic violence shelter, and I had very bad anxiety, like PTSD up the freaking ass, <laughs> and my counselor gave me a mindfulness bracelet. I know you mentioned mindfulness, and she told me to really just come into my senses. Mm-hmm. So how have you... I know you mentioned therapy and things like that. Do you do, like, meditating, yoga, breath work, anything like that helps you? No, honestly, I've never done any of that. That's why, like, I... I was never good at meditating, so, I mean, I guess the being outside is my form of meditating, but I've never, like, I can't, like, listen to, like, a video of, like, someone, you know, like, Um, yeah. (laughs) so, outside is my form of meditating, so I do that, but the breath work and stuff, no, I've never, like, done that. Yeah. I don't know. I've never heard of the bracelet. That's pretty cool. It was it was so helpful because anytime I would kind of have like an out of body dissociative experience, I would just see the bracelet and come back into like what am I smelling, what am I feeling, like all the senses. But as you stated, like some things might work for you, other things might not. I know for me, I love therapy. Yeah. Do you? You're a fan of therapy? Um, I mean, I definitely go through periods when I'm in and out. Yeah. You know, like you're like I'm doing well, goodbye, of course, <laughs> and then you're like I'm coming back, like. So, um, I do like therapy. I just think that maybe I need to find someone who is, like, I feel like I've grown. So, that I've had the same therapist since I was 16. Wow. So, now I'm now, like, you know, I'm about to be 24. There's an odd next month. Oh, nice. And I need someone who knows the me now. Yes. Because I think I've changed so much that if I did, if I were to find a new therapist, I would want them to in- incorporate spirituality mm, into the work which is so uncommon like yeah. around here like it is but i want i want that because i feel wow. like it gives you a different kind of comfort that everybody i think at least once in their life needs like a hundred percent i think that's awesome that you've it's kind of like any relationship where sometimes you just outgrow each other yeah and that that goes to show the progress you've made that you think okay i need someone to push me in a different way yeah and i, I was like so nervous to tell my therapist that i didn't yeah. really want to see her anymore so i sort of ghosted her yeah. <laughs> so during it's the pandemic hard. i was like uh i'm gonna take a break and then i just didn't respond yeah <laughs> it's like breaking up with someone it's it so is uncomfortable. it's scary yeah it's definitely scary because it yeah like you get comfortable with people and that's why you put up with like something that mm-hmm. doesn't suit you anymore and yeah. that's you know back to that so. but I think you have to do what's best for you not just in like dating but in a therapeutic relationship as well and it's just giving you those tools like okay I this isn't working for me anymore yeah definitely would you say you're a spiritual person more so these days yeah I wasn't always I was more so like curious but definitely more so these days these like especially during the pandemic I feel like I needed to look to something that was above everything else and that's what I found is that how you got into it actually um ecotherapy is how I got into Mm. it um I'd start with curiosity about like when I was younger curiosity when I was younger ecotherapy is how I got into it and then during the pandemic it kind of just really like skyrocketed from there and it was like I need something that's like um 
you know, bigger than this. Yeah. And I think maybe every once in a while, I think people do need something that's bigger than this. Like, I agree. when they lose someone. Like, I think everyone has that thought that just like, oh my gosh, no. Like, mm-hmm. like this is all there is kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's definitely everyone's, I think once at least in everyone's life, they need something bigger than this. And that exactly. was it for me, so... Yeah. It just grew from there and it's still growing. I'm not, you know, where I want to be, but that's with everything in life. Anxiety, everything, really. It's a journey. Yeah. That's beautiful. I know that you lost someone very close to you to suicide. Yes. Are you comfortable talking about that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I've, I talk about it a lot. I usually go to the walks, AFSP, but I didn't go this year. Yeah, Um, so I lost my hand in 2016. Was that like a year after I met you? Yeah, it was I think so, maybe. a year and a half. Yeah, so I lost my aunt in 2016. Her name is Reagan. Um, we were really close. She, like, we were just, I don't know, like, growing up, she was kind of like a second mom to me. And then as I got older and she kind of, like, started having problems of her own, I kind of took on a different role, like a role that I really was actually kind of uncomfortable with. I was 19 and I was like, you know, playing therapist. So it was like, if she texted me and she was like, I need you, I would like drop whatever I was doing and I would go there. I would take my friends and I would go there. Like I was just kind of trying to be superhero. And I thought like in some way that that was going to solve it all. Like that was just all I needed to do for her to kind of just be here. And I saw this quote once and it was like, like suicide is something that happens to everybody else until it happens to you Mm. like and I just I could totally like agree with that like it wasn't in my awareness and when I first heard her say that when I was 19 I was like what like this is like this is the thing like this is gonna happen right now like so it was like I wanted I don't know how long it was maybe a year like a few months um of just processing and dealing with that um she would be in and out of the hospitals a lot so I would get calls or texts that she was going into the hospital that she um would be out in like a week they never really held her that long and uh the first two times I think I was hopeful until I was eventually like this is just you know we're just going in circles she's going in she's going out and nothing's being done um but even though I kind of lost hope, I still had that hope because I didn't expect that she wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And then when she was, it was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks that it was like, but I've been preparing for this and you're just not ever prepared. So yeah. it was definitely hard because I think um, opposite from like someone passing from natural causes, there's just like a lot that goes into being a suicide loss survivor Mm. there's just like you know a lot of guilt and just like anger so I remember like the first day while I missed her like so achingly bad at the same time I was like pissed at her so I remember just going on the porch like it was probably midnight and just cursing I was just fucking cursing a storm I was like like you know f you like just so mad at her And at the same time, I was mad at myself because I missed her and I loved her so much that it's hard to experience those emotions at one time. Simultaneously. Yeah. And it was a lot of that, just going back and forth. And every once in a while, sometimes guilt will come in. It's like, I should have said this instead of that that day or just anything, really. So it is difficult, but 
I mean, there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's things that, like, that made me feel better, which was being involved with AVSP. It made me feel like I had a community that could relate to me. Like, it just made me feel like I was doing something, like, that mattered. Like, and every year when I go there, like, and I see people, like, going through the same thing that I went through or just experience it, like, experiencing it themselves... I know that, like, I'm doing it for a purpose. And of course I miss my aunt. Like, I think of her every day. But when people were saying to me that it gets better, I thought it was bullshit. But it's true. It does. Like, because now she's with me every day in a different way. Because now she's part of, like, my every day. Like, I think of her. Like, she's just part of me and, like, who I am and my memories and... So it's like, that's how she lives on. She lives on through the stories I tell about her when I help other people. So, you know, she's not really gone. Well, Leah, thank <laughs> you so much for sharing that. I have so much compassion for you, and I, I've i never lost someone personally to suicide before. Um, my father died when I was 15, and, and I'm someone that actually have tried to kill themselves on many accounts. So hearing that, I think when you're in it, you don't think of the other people around you and I don't think there's anything anyone can say to someone Mm -hmm. when they are so mentally ill that will change their mind yeah I I definitely thanks for saying that like because that's something that like I I had to have told to me in the beginning like my therapist had sit me down and was like do you think anything that you said would have stopped it or just prolonged it and that's something I had to ask myself every time um but yeah, it's a really good point of view of you sharing that because that's something that I gotta constantly tell myself too. It's never anyone else's fault, honestly. And yeah. I think that in that moment, you're so sick that you can't really consider other people's pain. Mm-hmm. You're just so consumed with your own. Yeah. So, what do you think would help? I think if someone right now is experiencing someone close to them that is suicidal I think I would really just let them know how much you love them and care for them and perhaps get them to a safe environment like the hospital like calling their doctor of course it's never anyone else's job to do that for us but we can kind of hold their hands with them you know I would do a risk assessment see like if they do have a plan of course my thing is when I was suicidal even if I did have a plan I wouldn't tell people because I wouldn't want to be stopped but I think it's just constant holding space for those people and telling their therapist telling their loved ones their family and friends what they're observing that they're concerned for their safety and maybe never leaving their side but it's really it's not up to us to decide for other people if they should continue to live because that's really their own prerogative as horrible as that sounds mm-hmm. but sometimes we think in our minds I can change this person I can stop this I can heal them with enough love I can you know make them better yeah it's like the superhero mentality and yeah. I I had that like mindset and it definitely was it was almost like drowning kind of it was definitely way too much for me. Because you're carrying the weight on your shoulders and it's too much for a single person to bear sometimes. No. I remember like my parents sitting me down and just being like, 
um, we're worried about you, are you okay, like, this is too much, like, maybe, like, you shouldn't be doing this, and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I really wasn't, like, I was drowning, and I was like, I don't have a choice, like, are you guys not saying that there's, like, no choice, like, (laughs) and at the time, it felt like there wasn't, there wasn't a choice, it was do it, or she's gone. Yeah. I don't regret it, though, which is interesting. Wow. What do you think, I've heard a lot of mixed things about the term committing suicide I have heard that yeah um I was trying to think about that the other day is what is the um danger I guess in saying commit I try not to say it sometimes it's so second nature that you know I catch myself when people are experiencing mental illness to the point of actually taking their own lives Uh It's, it's like a chronic illness. You wouldn't... When you say someone commits suicide, it's basically like they're committing a crime. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't say about someone that died to cancer, wow, they're... I think they committed to cancer, yeah. Yeah. So, I think there's so much shame put on people that take their own lives that they're selfish. And of course, there there's aspects of that, you know? But you wouldn't say to someone that's terminally ill, struggling with, like heart disease that's going to lose their life you're selfish you don't think about anyone else but yourself the way that we put that onto people that take their own lives is complete polar opposites yeah yeah that definitely makes sense so when you're trying not to say commit what where do you use i usually say take their life take their life or died by suicide yes died by suicide that one i think i've used but i've definitely heard not to use commit and i do catch myself using it sometimes um but that makes sense it's definitely something to think about like you know yeah definitely so what was your aunt diagnosed with did she have major depression did she have bipolar disorder do you know what she was diagnosed with truthfully she didn't tell the truth a lot of the time yeah so i told me it was like uh something related to her back because her back hurt like depression related to her i think it was not that um i don't know yeah i i always wanted to know but she just was she's not really truthful to be honest with you yeah i think that sometimes an illness can do that to someone yeah i mean i don't blame her for not being truthful i'm not mad at her or anything but i just it's just the reality that she wasn't so i don't know yeah that's that's really intense that's sometimes i guess that's hard to sit with yeah but what would you say to someone that's going through something similar with either a loved one or maybe what you wish you would have known been able to tell yourself when you were feeling like all that guilt but I told you that I hate when people told me that it got better. Mm. So I would probably tell them it doesn't get better. <laughs> as awful as it sounds, <laughs> I would probably say, say... Oh, it gets better. Yeah. That's not helpful. I would probably say to them it doesn't get better. Um, it's just a new way of living. Um, living a different kind of truth that... Um, I think I saw this quote. It was like Alice in Wonderland. It was like, every day I wake up and I feel like a different person. And that's exactly how I felt. So I think I would just tell them that they're just going to be meeting a different them. And not maybe not to be so afraid of that. And, you know, just take it day by day as it comes. And 
get to know the new you. I love that. Yeah, because it's the new me has changed so much, like just from that experience for sure. A new a new awareness of me. And I thought that I would like hate that person. I was like, Ugh, I don't feel the same. I don't want to be this person. Like, I'm, and I like her, so <laughs> yeah. it worked out well. It it just felt like a piece of you was kind of missing, and you you just gotta learn what to fill that piece with. And again, it's different for everyone. I filled it with advocacy. So yeah, you were. That's what I did. Your work on social media is beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. I, I will insert your links and everything at the end but you're just an awesome advocate and i know that you are always posting things about mental health awareness and suicide prevention yeah i mean that's that's how i heal yeah i want to take stories that are like you know sad and like awful and i want to change them to something that is lighter for me and my family to hold and to me that was advocacy so every once in a while my family will come but i've gone to the overnight walks for afsp so i went to new york city washington dc philly boston um my family came to dc and boston with me but um yeah that's what fits lighter for me because grief can be hard to hold and I had to make it something that was lighter and just definitely more beautiful than what it was because it is awful oh my goodness grief (laughs) is honestly one of the hardest feelings I've ever had to feel yeah it's such a huge impact it's just being faced with you know mortality yeah like you don't think about it or if you have anxiety maybe you do think about it yeah the whole death anxiety thing did you have do you still have death anxiety do you just want to talk on that that's an interesting topic because i feel our society avoids the word death at all. yeah it's so taboo it's so taboo um yeah i brought some stuff on death anxiety i mean i still i still think of death anxiety i think especially now with the pandemic mm-hmm. everyone dying like i can't tell you how many days i was like oh my gosh i'm gonna die someone i love is gonna die it's like yeah. you know this sickness is running rampant it's everywhere so death anxiety for sure I, more recently yes but um so the death positivity movement um it brings death to awareness because it's a taboo topic uh it's something that shouldn't really be hidden behind closed doors and the interesting things that i've heard about the death uh, death positivity movement is that people go to like death cafes wow. and they i know weird right isn't that so weird so they have like instagrams or like meetups that you could like look up and it's like oh like we're meeting at the like a death cafe or whatever and they talk about this i guess they talk about like that more recently i found an article um by the new york times if you look up like the death positivity movement and someone was hosting their own fun earl instead of a funeral a funeral so they were having a party where there was food drinks and people were decorating coffins so this is a depth positivity movement it's so strange it's so weird when you think about it um but i guess like just bringing into your awareness like kind of alleviates the anxiety of it and keeping it hidden and making it taboo just makes it kind of worse because it's like this hush hush topic but you know it's just like kind of like a almost like a like a stigma like it just makes things worse yes but um like it wasn't always like that like um today funerals are kind of like just like one and done like the Mm. family's not really involved and like it kind of just brings into question if we were involved what would that do for us like how would that add to our lives as opposed to like you know like not being involved in those things 
So some th- interesting things that I saw from like the Victorian era. Like, are oh, you familiar very with cool. that? Yeah, yes. like the Victorian era. So like, so our Victorian ancestors were very involved in death. <laughs> um, they had very different like ideas and rituals like surrounding it. So what I found was that when people were like carried out of their house, like let's say they died in their house, they were carried out with their feet first, so they wouldn't like look back and like beckon to somebody. Okay. <laughs> and, like. <laughs> And they also heard that, like, curtains and mirrors were covered so the deceased wouldn't be trapped in the looking glass. People stopped clocks at the time of death to prevent bad luck. Mm. And people created lockets of the deceased one's hair, or they took mourning photography. So death was, like, very much a part of life, and, you know, that never really changed. Death is still a part of life. It's just how we view it that's changed, Um, you know, and the way that we view it's changed um there's a lot of anxiety surrounding it and i know for me it's just like oh i could just like die right now like this is death like <laughs> yes so it's it's just so scary and it's like it shouldn't be so i just wow. think it's interesting how people thought about it in the past and how they're bringing it well a small group of people are bringing it to like now and that's the death positivity movement and i just think it's so interesting that's it's creepy but it's weird I don't i've know. never heard of that before <laughs> i like it Wow. I like it. I haven't been involved in, like, any death uh, death cafes or anything like that, but I like it. Yeah, I feel there's such a stigma, like, taboo attached to even that. I yeah. could see people automatically criticizing and judging that. Yeah, I haven't even brought the weird, the weird, uh, part of that. Uh, some people actually have funerals in their homes. Mm, I don't yeah. know. I think it's more common down in the South, but, yes, um... I've heard that, too. Some people, like, you know... Just, they're very much a part of it. Hmm. Wow. It's different. A different idea, but it's not a bad one. No, I think our culture kind of sometimes assumes that everything we do is right and other cultures are wrong, so anyone that skews outside the norm is kind of shamed. Yeah, and that's definitely, like, a negative concept for our culture, like, and we're seeing that a lot today, too. Of course. What's the quote? Okay, yeah. So I love Emily Dickinson because she has poems (laughs) on just like mental health and um, death. This one's not the whole poem, but it's a short excerpt from it. Is that that how you say it? Excerpt? (laughs) So it's called Because I Could Not Stop for Death. Because I Could Not Stop for Death, He Kindly Stopped for Me. The carriage held but just ourselves in immortality. We slowly drove, he knew no haste, and I had to put away my labor and my leisure, too, for his civility. Cool, Damn. Right? <laughs> Emily Dickinson is just a true, like, her poetry is just so... I love her poetry. to be like that. Do you write poetry? I actually have. I'm not good at it. Because I know you write... Yeah. Don't say <laughs> it's that. It's really not. It's like, it's more like a journal than it is, yeah. like, poetry. You journal? Yeah, that's awesome. I used to more. I haven't in a while. Well, with school, I'm sure, like, sure you find the time. So definitely last year, that was, like, something that I was doing a lot. That's so cool. Yeah, I have a journal. I don't think anyone could be bad at poetry, because poetry is so individual for everyone, and it's kind of just speaking your heart. Like, how could you be bad at speaking? It's basically you speaking to your soul. Okay. I put sugar in my wound, and I walked out to the crisp sun where the world would bake me, try to burn me, eat me alive. At least I'd be sweet. That's it. <laughs> that is freaking amazing, Leah. What are you talking about? 
talking thing. about. That was literally like 10 seconds of the most amazing thing I've heard. That's like probably like the only good one. <laughs> oh my god. I love that. I, I love how everyone's writing is just so individual and like unique to them. Yeah, I feel like I thought of the idea. Like I one day I was just like, like whatever, I was in my bed and I was thinking about just like titles of things because I just like titles mm. so I count the title like Sugar in the Wound and then I was yeah. like made a poem off of that yeah. so there's a bunch of different like just things that I think of that like sometimes they make sense sometimes they don't as long as it makes sense to you though yeah like one of the things I was thinking of was like a kaleidoscope mind like I thought that was interesting mm. titles are very inspiring to words though I yeah. find that sometimes I find like a a phrase and I can write a whole poem off of that one thing yeah I mean I don't know if many people could like relate to it but like some things I'll think about like I don't know mashed potatoes and like snow like stupid stuff but like no, <laughs> it is... ends up being something wow I don't know I think the more different your writing is, the more you stand out. Yeah. Especially as a creator, not even just someone that writes, but artists or things like that. Like, the way you post on Instagram. Like, no one wants to be the same these days. People that are very different and have their own special quirks are really the people that get recognized. Yeah. I... I... Yeah, I definitely follow a few people that I like like that, and I think that's why I went to the death positivity movement, because it was yeah. just a quirk, but it was cool. Mm. This one is on my nana. I would go into her room when my dad was being abusive to my stepmom. So, this one is Secrets Told in Raspy Voices, White Noise and Chinese Takeout, Marilyn, My Golden Teddy Graham, Lusty Reds, A Safe Haven, and that's it. Oh, if you ever write a book, I'm going to be the first person to buy it. Oh, I, I have chills. Both. I have chills. Aw, like, I, that's what it's about. So I like writing because it's like, it's a secret that no one knows but me. So like, I don't know if you would have picked, you wouldn't have picked up on that. But that's what it is about. It was about going into my nana's room when my dad was being abusive to my stepmom. And she would always like Chinese food. She loved Marilyn Monroe. She loved painting her nails red. So it was just like about that. Like, yeah. us telling secrets secrets and doing that to kind of drown out all the noise in the back mm, that's a form of self-expression yeah i mean no one would understand it but me wow. or unless i told that's them so powerful. But... <laughs> that's awesome so we have we have like a minute or two left so we'll end on a high note i loved literally everything we talked about and i would love to have you on another time to talk on <laughs> the ancestors and everything because I feel like people are just starting to bring that into the collective consciousness. Yeah. But what is what is one piece of advice that you want to give anyone struggling with anything we talked about today? Or perhaps it's something that you have now learned about yourself. Struggling with something? Oh, oh my gosh, that's so hard. That was a really like <laughs> a loaded question. Um, I know. We just go right into it. All the deep stuff. Advice that I would well, I'm going to keep it simple. Sure. My grandma would always tell me, don't sweat the small stuff, dear. Mm. <laughs> and that's what Preach she would that. tell me. So Preach. I'll just keep it simple. And that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. 
so it's so it's so simple but it's not easy to do no not at all yeah wow well do you want to share anything you have going on any social media where people can find you to check out your awesome advocacy and things <laughs> like that well i mean i my instagram is the spiritual lee minded yeah, L-E-E. I love the title <laughs> every time I see it I'm like yes girl yeah I changed it uh for the pandemic I think because it was something else originally but super cool and then I have like a milkshake link in my bio that is just kind of a briefing on the things that I'm interested in um there's some links on being a good ancestor uh Emily Dickinson poems Harriet Tubman because uh I saw an interesting post about her and spirituality that I really wow. liked. Ecotherapy, storytelling, suicide prevention. So that's what's on those links. So just kind of a briefing of things that I really enjoy and I like. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sure that you're going to help so many people. Oh, thank you. Um, you're just like such a wise, humble person. Oh, thanks. So I'm so happy that we got a chance to do this and I'll plug your links in to the show notes. Cool. I'm excited. Yay. This is fun. Yay.